Thank you for listening to the Sacred Commons podcast. If you want to help support us in this work, please visit our website. If anything, just check it out. But if you feel inclined to give, you can do so by visiting thesacredcommons.com. Click on Give. Every single cent has an immediate impact and helps us continue to do this. I don't know whether to call this episode Don't Read the Bible or call it Listen to Him. So which one would you go with? One's provocative. Give me your opinion. I vote Don't Read the Bible. (laughs) I knew it. I knew you would vote with something provocative. Okay, that's what we'll call it. It's kind of a relief to some of those out there who thought they weren't Christian enough unless they read the Bible every day and memorized it. I think we should start by saying we absolutely have a high view of Scripture. And we absolutely believe that every faithful follower of Jesus needs to have a life rooted in Scripture. Can I get an amen? So when you say don't read the Bible, when we say don't read the Bible, we we have to unpack that. So here we go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the nice. Sacred Commons very, Podcast. Very nice transition. <laughs> you didn't say your name, though. Oh, I'm Diana. I'm JP. Thanks for listening, and we'll get to it. Let's not waste any time today. Oh, are you reading? Okay. The hand is out. I am handing over the paper. I'll read because I feel like you'll have the most to say on this one. I better not. (laughs) I do work hard, though. Yeah, you do. To collect my thoughts. You do. You've got lots of notes. Which is pretty sad, considering how poorly someone might take this podcast. They're like, oh, you worked hard on that? <laughs> okay. He does. A reading from Luke nine twenty-eight through 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think that Right off the bat, we should let them know where we're going with this so that no one gets too alarmed by the title. When we say, don't read the Bible, what we really mean is don't read the Bible in a certain way. Don't read the Bible. Don't use the Bible dangerously. Instead, allow Jesus to inform you 
on how to read the Bible. Let, let it all point to him. If it doesn't look like Jesus, rethink it, rework it. I've heard someone say before, allow Jesus to be Lord of all, even Lord of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we encourage everyone to allow Jesus to be your hermeneutical, interpretive lens that you see everything through, especially the Bible, because if you don't, you can use the scripture for some really ugly things in some ugly ways. So let's just lay that out there. But I don't want to start with that. I want to begin by asking you a question. Okay, you asked me a question last time, but okay. Well, can I not? It's only two of us on this yes, podcast. Yes, you can ask me a question. <laughs> Do you want me to phone someone? <laughs> you should have it's callers lined I'm, up. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you. It's you and me. My question is this. Have you ever seen someone explain something an item, an object, the wrong way, and then they use it the wrong way. So have you ever seen someone give a false explanation of a thing? I have. And then it's used the wrong way. See, this is why I ask you, because I can't think of something like that. Go ahead. I'm going to reference The Little Mermaid here. Okay. And Scuttle. That's in my notes. It is? I didn't read your notes. I didn't read that. He explains to Ariel what things are, and she uses them improperly. And when she gets her legs and is a human, and she's at the dinner table, she starts combing her hair with her fork. Okay, if you would just have looked at page one. I did not look at page one. I even drew a seagull. (laughs) Is that Scuttle? Yes. So I was wondering if you had something in real life, but we can go with Scuttle. That's fine. Can you think of anything in real life? I can probably think of something in real life, but you're going to have to talk for a little bit and let me think about something. That's just the first thing that came to mind. I'm sure our children, right, have probably used something the wrong way because they've given it the wrong explanation. But you think about that. Okay. So Scuttle is the know-it-all seagull who absolutely is wrong about everything that he was explaining. I thought of another example. Okay, good. Go. We'll get back to Scuttle. This is international, okay. this podcast, so I don't know. It involves somebody that we knew when we were in college. Really? But he had acne. Oh, yeah. And his grandma had him put dandelion oil. 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 It was like olive oil. It was dandelion weeds and olive oil in a jar. Yeah. It did not look like it would be beneficial. And the evidence of that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good example. I think you should cut that out. (laughs) It's an interesting story. I'm going to leave it in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we love this kid. I feel bad that his grandma was giving him dandelions. Someone's going to be out there on the internet and and hear this and say, his grandmother was right. (laughs) Dandelions do get rid of acne. But the oil, the oil was just. Yeah. That didn't make any sense. Not a good idea. I would verify any time you want to use anything on your face with a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a horrible explanation of how to use a thing <laughs> and having <laughs> bad results, which goes back to Scuttle. So Scuttle would always explain poorly what a fork is, what a pipe is. So the fork is a dingle hopper used to comb your hair. And the pipe is a snarf flat or snarf flat or snarf flat. And it's used to make music. Mm. 
And because he's giving the wrong exegesis, which is a word for explanation, you could look at it that way, because he's giving things the wrong exegesis, he's encouraging Ariel, the mermaid, to interpret things the wrong way and misuse things and misrepresent things the wrong way. So if it's a bad explanation, there's a great likelihood that you are going to misinterpret, misuse, and misrepresent. And Scuttle was comically doing this in The Little Mermaid, right? I think that we've all been there in our lives where we have misinterpreted something and therefore we've misused it. The other thing I can think of is um, if you are traveling internationally or um, if you're learning customs of a new culture or words or things like that, that you could easily be tricked into doing something that would mean something different in that culture that in our culture wouldn't be anything not a big deal but I, I can't think of a specific but um well if you've never seen idea. a bidet before <laughs> you don't know what it <laughs> oh yeah that's in crocodile dundee remember see no i don't remember but go yeah i think it's the, the sequel when he comes to new york Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, he like washes his clothes in it or something. <laughs> I can't remember. I just remember being like, ah. I've never used one. Truth be told, I've never used a bidet. It's a cleansing thing, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Instead of using toilet paper or in conjunction with, I don't know. How does it work? It like squirts water. <laughs> you use one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. We'll just leave that there. Okay. Yeah, I've never... Anyways, yes, that's an item that can be misidentified, poorly explained, and because it's misinterpreted, can be misused. Now that we've laid that out there, let's bridge that to the story today. So you see the top three, the favorites, the, the closest, whatever, the... Peter, James, and John, they go up to the mountain. Moses and Elijah are there. And there are so many directions you can take this text in if you wanted to. You could talk about the parallels between Moses going up to Sinai. You could talk about the the law being given to Moses on the mount in the presence of God. And here, once again, you see the presence of what? Nothing. And you see the- I'm trying to stay awake. Okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just because it's <laughs> 10 to 12 and I decided oh, I would start man. getting up early. You are so encouraging. <laughs> no, it's not. I either. am trying to stay awake. <laughs> I'll, I'll wrap it up. There are a lot of parallels, but the one thing that we want to focus on here is the law and the prophets are represented. The law and the prophet is Moses and Elijah. There you go. So you have Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. God's presence descends, comes down, there's, cl- there's brightness, there's cloud. And then all of a sudden you hear this voice, and let's re-examine this story here. You hear the voice, and the voice speaks from the cloud, and the voice says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, and everything cleared out, the scripture says Jesus was found alone. Mm-hmm. So here we have another mountaintop experience. 
Once again, this idea of what to listen to, just like Moses had the the law given. Mm -hmm. Here we have Jesus being found alone. Does not mean that we are to do away with the law and the prophets. Jesus is clear about that. We don't abolish them. Right. But instead we look to Jesus and we say, he fulfills the law and the prophets. And the word there for fulfill means he reveals the original intent. Mm -hmm. So like you need to see everything in the scripture through its the the correct lens which is Christ. Yeah. Jesus. So if we really believe that Jesus fulfilled the law, then we have to listen to what he says in his teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount, and read other scripture yeah. through that lens. Yeah. So a lot of what we're going to talk about right now is from Brian Zond, and we just we're going to give credit to where credit is due. This is from his work. Some of it is Stanley Auerwas, theologian. A lot of this is um, Rob Redman, uh, R.K. Hughes. There's a lot of voices that have contributed to the, what we're about to explain, but just don't give us credit for it. Okay. So Zahn talks about how he loves the Bible. He reads the Bible. He's read it every day. He's a serious student of the Bible for over 40 years. Yada, yada, yada. But then he goes on to say, the Bible can also be bad for you. And this is why we're calling the episode, Don't Read the Bible. But we should put a subtitle there. Don't read the Bible in a dangerous way. Don't read the Bible without Jesus helping you read it. He says the Bible can be a vital part of your spiritual formation. Can be, is, that's what he says. It's extremely beneficial. But there are ways of approaching the Bible that are detrimental, this is his language, to the soul Mm -hmm. that can do real harm to yourself and to others. And so he, at times, counsels people to stop reading the Bible and wait until they're in a better place. Uh, And specifically, he says to stay away from, sometimes when he meets certain people, he instructs them to stay away from the book of Revelation until they're in a healthier mental state. And I love that because, man, the last thing you want to do is give someone who's mentally unstable the book of Revelation Mm -hmm. and say, go to town. (laughs) Or give anyone who's unstable the Bible. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because you can pull out a verse for it and have it proof text just about any crazy idea. Yes. He says, an ignorant and irresponsible reading of Revelation, or you could just add there, an ignorant and irresponsible reading of the Bible Mm -hmm. can really mess people up. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend this week, one that we both know, and he was telling me that he, he preached last Sunday. And or two Sundays ago, and afterwards there was this guy wearing. He said he could tell. This is, I won't say the town, but he could tell that something was about to go down because everyone's leaving the sanctuary, and this guy's coming at him, wearing all white, long hair. I don't know if there was a beard. I don't know, but he he looked special, Mm -hmm. and his aesthetic was unique. And he comes up to my friend, and he he says, "I got to talk to you," and he says, "Let's have a seat." So they sit down, right, in the sanctuary. There's still some people hanging out. And this guy starts yelling at him. And he says, all these non-repentant Democrats are being left behind. And then he starts shouting at my friend. And he says, wait, I'll tell you twice. And then I'll leave you to die. And he smacks his Bible. Oh, wow. And he says, and then I'll leave you to die in your ignorance. Wow. Right? So, so... Just reinforcing this idea 
that the Bible is a very dangerous thing Mm -hmm. in the wrong hands. I have actually heard a lot of people really emphasize the fact that they believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. We believe in the Bible. Instead of, I believe in Jesus. Jesus. We believe in Jesus. So so this is where Zahn says, the Bible is not the object of our faith. Mm -hmm. Jesus is. He goes on to say that we get into real trouble with the Bible when we lose sight of its chief value. The chief value of the Bible is not the Bible in and of itself. The Bible is not God. The Bible is not the object of our faith. Jesus is. The value of the Bible is that it is the word, lowercase w, the word, lowercase w, of yeah. God, that faithfully directs us to the, the word, capital W, of God, who is Jesus Christ. So, in the beginning was the word. That's talking about Jesus, not the Bible. Not the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And, and th- thank you, because I wanted to get to John, and we got to go there. I used to receive a lot of pushback when I first started making this statement from the pulpit. I would say, the Bible is not the word of God. And Jesus is. Well, well, I wouldn't say it that fast. (laughs) You kind of, you leave a thing. You give him a pause and like, what? Yeah, And everyone would get so uptight. Oh, The steam would start coming from their ears. Oh, it bothered them. It bothered them. The letters started typing and writing. But then when you say Jesus is. Right. Folks would start to relax a little bit, and we'd take them to John. And so, let's just go there. Everybody knows this. This is the amazing introduction to the Gospel of John that soars to the highest heights. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Capital W, referring to Jesus. He is the Word, the the Greek logos, the reason, the communication, the logic of God. And I can just hear the voice of God on the Mount of Transfiguration saying, listen to him. Right. Listen to him. Jesus is, and here are some ways that it's been explained. Jesus is the explanation of God. Jesus is the exegesis of God. Theologian Rob Redman says, in Jesus, God speaks God's mind. Zahn says, Jesus is what God has to say. R.K. Hughes says, Jesus is the explanation of God the Father, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear. It's, it's, to me, it seems so clear that when you see Moses and Elijah, and they're all there, and then they're not, and Jesus is there by himself, and you hear the voice saying, listen to him. Listen to him. Mm-hmm. How more clear do you need it to be? I well, mean, it, it definitely establishes priority. And if you just keep reading John 1, so roll with me on this. He goes on to say, since the beginning, right? In the beginning, Christ is preexistent. He's in perfect, continuous intimacy with the Father. In the creed, we say, God from God, light from light, mm-hmm. true God from true God, begotten, not made. He's, he's the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So this idea is established in the first verse of John. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to basically give his version of Genesis. If you keep reading John 1, verse 3, all things came into being through him. Without him, not one thing came into being. If you, if you just keep reading, John is basically, with every word, elevating Jesus to the highest view of the believer. Mm-hmm. He's taking Jesus to the top. That's why John is represented by an eagle. It's like you can't soar higher than John. 
But then something weird happens. And in verse 6, he starts talking about John the Baptist. And it almost seems like, why? Why would you start talking about JTB? <laughs> That's the cool lingo. Yeah. Why would you talk about JTB uh, in the middle of this text? It doesn't make any sense. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. But if you pay attention, what John is doing, John the gospel writer, what John is doing is he's saying it's all about priority. John the Baptist wasn't the light. He bore witness. He testified to the light. So why does John interject JTB, John the Baptist, so abruptly? To establish the idea of witnesses so we don't place the witnesses in front of the one they're witnessing about. Mm. And let me give it to you another way. John represents, in this case, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist represents the prophetic tradition. And you can attach to that the law and the prophets. And what I believe, what the gospel writer is trying to get us to understand is, don't be all about the Bible. Don't be all about the law and the prophets. Be about the one that the law and the prophets point to. That's good. The Bible isn't the primary word of God. Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I think a faithful way of putting it would be to say, Think of Jesus first and the Bible second. The word made flesh is what the law and the prophets were always trying to say. And Hebrews 1 talks about this, right? In the past, God spoke to us, spoke to our ancestors in many ways, various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son. He goes on to say he's the exact imprint of God's very being. Jesus is the final word of God. Jesus is what God has to say. Mm -hmm. Jesus is God's speaking God's own mind. Jesus is the explanation, the exegesis of God. Why is this important? Why does this matter? Because if we don't allow Jesus to inform us on, in how we read the Bible, we'll have some very hurtful, harmful ways of reading scripture. You can use the Bible to do anything, to endorse anything. Mm -hmm. And if you don't let Jesus be what the Bible is pointing to, and if you don't allow Jesus to be your hermeneutical lens, then you all you have to do is find a verse. Yeah. And once you I, find a verse, you're good. I think it's easy to look back at at the past and say, oh my goodness, how could, how could Christians end up how could they do at that? the cr crusades? Or how could, how could Christians have ended up believing that slavery was okay and that that was, and it's easy to look back and say, how could they do that when we are today still having things? What that, are we doing? Right, mm -hmm. exactly. What are Using we, the Bible. What are we doing today? Justifying it through Bible verses. Come and, on. And it doesn't look like Jesus. It doesn't look like the love of Christ at all, mm -hmm. but we justify it and we proof text it. And so, um, yeah, I think there's some reflection that we need to, that we need to do. If the Bible becomes a barrier to true discipleship by providing legal loopholes for you to avoid what Jesus taught, mm -hmm. then you're using the Bible wrongly. Orally. I'm just going to talk here. There are people who take everything in the Bible literally. Creation, completely literal reading of Old Testament scripture, mm -hmm. but then you get to the Sermon on the Mount all of a sudden it becomes a metaphor. Yeah, now we have to, well, let's actually that. You know, what is he really trying to say? I'm just saying. Yeah, right. I think if anything, we should start, let's yeah. start with Jesus and go from there. 
That's yeah, all I'm trying to say. I forget who said it, and I'm probably going to mess up this quote, but the teachings of Jesus are not complicated. They're just challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we really complicate the simple things, and then we really simplify the complicated things. Brian's on, he, he goes on to say that you can make the Bible do whatever you want. You can make it play tricks. You can make it stand on its hind legs, dance a jig. Uh, you can proof text your own opinion, make it roll over and fetch. And all you need is a verse. The Bible clearly says, you know, find a verse and then fill in that blank with whatever you want to believe socially, scientifically, politically, theologically. You can find a verse. And that's just a game of proof texting, right? Mm -hmm. And there's little you can't prove. If you wanted to, you could use the Bible to endorse and justify wars, conquest, capital punishment, slavery, women held as property, genocide, ethnic cleansing. It's not that hard. All you got to do is go and find in Scripture versus that sanction stoning Sabbath breakers and slaughtering Canaanite children and, and then taking what's left over and making that your property, uh, it's not hard to do at all if you want to proof text your way there. You can use the Bible to do that, but you can't use Jesus. Right. And that's the important distinction. The Bible, yeah, you can find a verse for it, but you can't use Jesus to endorse that. So what this means for Christians is that we see Jesus— as the fulfillment of the LNP, Law and Prophets, meaning he reveals its f- the, the full intention and he allows us to reframe things. You have heard, but I say, right? Or he doesn't allow us. He leads us into that reframing mm-hmm. of how we view everything. And so Jesus takes us into a healthy place of reevaluating these texts. He becomes the lens that we look at scripture through and then the Bible becomes good for us. But until that, the Bible can be very bad for you if you're using the Bible to live a life that looks nothing like Jesus. And I just want to add one more thing in there. If you really, 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 really have to uh, read your Bible, because you might be mad that we called this, don't read read the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm encouraging you to start reading the Gospels. Read read those read those first. Read them a couple times before you jump in. I want to add one one more thing. If you're going to read the Bible, don't read alone. Don't go it alone. Tap into a faithful community that will help you read it. I'm thinking about the Mm -hmm. Ethiopian eunuch. Do you need help reading that? Philip asks him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Let me help you read that. Right. Philip comes running along. Um, I, I feel like. When we read in isolation, there is a great chance that we are going to make God in our own image, Mm -hmm. and we need help. So thanks be to God, there are some great theologians, great writers, authors, great communities, Mm -hmm. Uh, one being the Sacred Commons, I think, you know, where you got folks that are absolutely re-evaluating constantly through the power of the Holy Spirit, reimagining. Um, so that we stay faithful and so that we don't create booths and camp out. And I was going to talk about booths, but we don't have time. We got to wrap it up. All right. We'll talk about booths in some other podcast. But I hope that this was helpful. I hope that somehow this can give other people 
a different viewpoint on what the Bible is, yeah. what it's for. It's a necessary thing. The Bible. I'm thankful for the scripture. We have a high view of scripture, but that's because the scripture points us to the very source of life. And the source of life is not scripture. Jesus tells the Pharisees, yeah. you search the scriptures yeah. because you think in them you find eternal life. Don't you realize that they testify to me? Implications on our way out. What does this mean? What does this mean for us now? What should we do with this? It means, number one, don't read the Bible flat. We look at certain scriptures as weightier than others. Jesus, he, he criticized the Pharisees for this reason. He said, you guys are tithing your house plants, dill and mint and cumin, but you're neglecting the more weightier elements of the law, like justice and mercy. You're okay to do that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and tithe your house plants, but don't neglect the weightier sections of the law. And I feel like that's a good way of finishing this podcast. Why don't you frame it in the weightier, like how to read the Bible without reading it flat? Well, I think that just means that you look at everything through the lens of Christ, not just the words that he said and the things that he rewrote, the you have heard, but I say though that part, but also looking at his life as an example and mm. looking at the way that he handled situations and the people that he reached out to and that he loved, that he took time to sow into their lives. And Mm -hmm. I think if we focus more on that, if we do those things that really show show the love of Christ, then I think we're on the right track. And uh, when we're reading the Bible, we have to keep that in mind. I mean, there's so many things, even in the Old Testament, that just don't line up with the love of Christ. (laughs) They just don't. Mm -hmm. And I think we... It's it's okay to say like that's not that's not Jesus that's not God to do something like that mm. and I think that's okay we've been trying to defend these horrible things that happen in in Scripture as somehow justified and and there's just parts that it's okay to say nope mm. not cool mm-hmm. sometimes you just skip over them and just like pretend they're not there you know. Or, You'll read these obscure, weird passages where like entire um, cities are slaughtered and mm. leave nothing behind, that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, nope, that's not Jesus. The weightier parts for us now are the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can't get more weightier than that. Yeah. And we live into that and we see scripture through that lens. I want to maybe wrap this up by just apologizing to folks who have experienced church hurt and they've experienced the bible being used as a weapon against them yeah and they come from backgrounds and some of the stories that we hear are really painful mm-hmm. where because people had a verse yeah they were treated poorly because the bible was being misinterpreted and being misused because it wasn't being read through the lens of christ so to those folks listening and that's happened Uh, We're sorry that happened to you. We're sorry that it happened in the name of the church, in the name of the Christian faith. So many times I hear people say, yeah, I'm done with church. And you know what? I don't blame them one bit. I I understand where they're coming from, I should say. Um, But there is a different way to be a Christian. And there's hope. And it's still possible. We need all hands on deck. 
And everyone who loves Jesus, this radical, peaceful, loving, forgiving, merciful, gracious Savior, everyone who loves him can put their hands on the rope and help change the course of the church where it needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. And so we're hopeful that um, there's a different way, a brighter way, a more loving way of being Christian in today's world. From Diana and I and all of us at the Sacred Commons to every single person who's listening, I hope you know that you're loved and that God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time God hasn't been like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. To quote Eugene Peterson, God loves you, God is for you, and God is relentless. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.